You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. Today we're talking to a woman who was diagnosed with hyperthyroidism. And she was put on medication, and then that's when the problem started. She had a mass on her thyroid that was growing. And it's another one of those wonderful stories of the remarkable healing properties of cannabis. And joining us to tell us her story is Lindsay Bunn Rogers, who has been a legal medical patient in Michigan. Lindsay, it's good of you to join us to tell your story. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Take us back to the beginning and tell us when your problems started. Uh, Well, basically, it was in um, early 2011. I was going to um, just a routine doctor's visit, and it was discovered there through some blood work that I was pregnant. And that blood work also showed um, that I was displaying some signs of hyperthyroidism. Um, immediately, they placed me on some medication, and that was supposed to control everything uh, while I was pregnant. And the medication was getting me, like, extremely sick. I never could tolerate the medicine that I was on. Uh, my, I tried to explain it to my doctor that I felt like I was being poisoned, like my body literally was not... I couldn't function on this medicine. It was keeping me, like, really sick. Plus, being pregnant at the time, it was hard to decipher why I was so um, just out of it all the time. But they kind of thought that my concerns were just, you know, like, exaggerated and you'll be fine. Just let's have the baby. They didn't want to do anything, any kind of surgical treatment while I was pregnant because the masses that were on my thyroid, there was one in particular that they were very concerned about. It had some vascular growth, vascular blood flow going to it, and they thought that it would be way too risky to try to do anything like that while I was pregnant. So um, they scheduled surgery for two weeks after the baby would be born, and the surgery was going to be to remove the entire thyroid because they couldn't just reach the masses. They were... um, the way the doctor explained it to me, my thyroid was just covered in the masses. They were, like, wrapped around it and behind it, and they would have to remove the entire thyroid to get to all the masses. So by doing that, I would have to be on that medicine for the rest of my life. And there was just something with that that did not sit well with me because, honestly, I had two other children at the time, and the um, thyroid medicine that they had me on, like, I could not function even as a mother. I couldn't do motherly duties and I just couldn't see for the rest of my life how could I take care of three kids now, you know, from the couch. It just wasn't going to happen. So it really scared me off of everything. I I had the baby and everything was good with the pregnancy and healthy delivery and all of that. But I did get um, a little bit scared when it came time to the surgery and I just postponed everything. I decided to just kind of like wait and see what would happen and by doing so that meant me doing like nothing at all which probably wasn't a great idea either because the masses that were on my thyroid they began to grow 
and they were getting to a point to where they were literally like choking me. Um, I know one of the largest masses was literally like choking me in my sleep. It had been about nine months after I had the baby that I realized like, okay, I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to go back to the doctor and go ahead and have the surgery. I had knew about cannabis oil and I had been exposed to it just through some research and other family members that had uh, experimented with it with small things and stuff like that. But I also didn't think it was a possibility where I was um, living at the time to like access that or use it as a treatment. Lindsay, I just uh, want to interrupt you a second. In watching the video of you in the early days, that mass around your neck was very pronounced. I mean, you could see it sticking out. Uh, What did it feel like? Um, It kind of felt just like something was strangling me. It didn't really hurt. It wasn't like sore to the touch or anything like that. It was just really more of an irritation and like a strangulation feeling. And I guess the way it had grew so gradually over that nine months, it wasn't like I just woke up the next morning and had it there. So the symptoms of it had came on so gradually that I didn't even realize they were to the extent that they were. Um, Like I said, when I finally came to the realization, like, okay, this is bad, I was actually getting, like, just strangled on my own saliva. And I couldn't, like, I couldn't just continuously talk like I would be in the middle of a sentence but I would have to stop and swallow like every three or four words it got to the point to where I couldn't even carry on like a full sentence without literally like swallowing and trying to clear my throat like just a choking sensation but it it never physically got to a painful like okay this hurts or anything like that how did you manage to eat I kind of just did i i was starting to get i i was starting to get choked up on some food though that was definitely a sign and just not being able to swallow certain things to where i would go to swallow a bite and actually need to take a drink before it would go down i was definitely getting like just choked up on anything like i said it got to the point to where just my saliva was choking me so it was definitely like something in there that was blocking it off before I decided to have the surgery, which my husband was very concerned too, he he witnessed with his own two eyes, like physically how sick I became on the medication uh, when I was on the thyroid medicine. If I had anything important to do for the day, I would have to skip my medication for the day just so that I could function. So it became like so obvious that if I was going to do anything and get off the couch for that day, I needed to not take that medicine. So even he was very concerned when it came down to, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to remove her thyroid. Now she's going to be on this medicine for the rest of her life. So when I made the decision that, okay, where I'm going to call the doctor and I'm just going to go ahead with the surgery, we had another family member that had found a contact through the Internet, just through some trusted friends in a small network that I was lucky enough to become a part of, and they had supplied one of my family members with some cannabis oil through the mail. And so my husband had talked with me about it and said, you know, well, let's just see what we can do. Go ahead and order a tube of that and let's see if anything happens. And we'll go from there. But the the plan was initially to order me a tube a month. It was going to be about $350 a month. That would give me anywhere between like 7 and 10 grams of oil and just take it as I could 
and my husband would supply it as he could afford it. So we did that, and I got the first tube of oil, and immediately, like I would say within probably like my second dose of taking it, I, I was starting to feel some relief. My husband didn't want to believe anything. Obviously, he he didn't mm-hmm. think anything was going to work like that quick or that fast. Or he hoped it did, I'm sure, but he didn't believe even like the relief that I was getting. So he started trying to like measure my neck. With we had a string, and he would wrap it around my neck and just be like, if we could notice anything going down. But I think it was like the third morning I had woke up. It, immediately I went to the bathroom and I just threw up a bunch of mucus, but I could tell that it was like, it was weird. It was like, um, it wasn't like a throw up because I had got sick. It was like a very thick mucus that almost choked me as I was throwing it up. Mm-hmm. But so I threw up and I re- immediately when I raised up from throwing up and looked in the mirror, that was very noticeable now. Up until that point, my whole entire neck just looked so swollen. Up until about the third day on cannabis oil, you couldn't really hardly see that lump because my whole neck was that size. So from the third morning on, I mean, even my husband walked in and was like, oh, my gosh, because now now you could just visually look at me and see that big lump there. And you didn't see that there before I threw that mucus up. So it was almost like so it was sloughed sloughed off then? It was. Something happened. I don't even know. I can't even really explain it, but from that point on, when I threw that mucus up, I could swallow again. I wow. could swallow, like, so much clear. Not that I still wasn't feeling the strangulation, and not that I couldn't still feel that, but I wasn't. It was like layers and layers of something was choking me or something, and I feel like that third day, whatever it was that I threw up, it definitely brought some relief on to my throat that I hadn't felt in months. Yeah, you knew the cannabis oil was starting to work. That must have been uh, very gratifying to you from a psychological point it, of view. It was, and it was almost like unbelievable to my husband. So he's thinking almost like, okay, nothing can work this well. You was hoping it would work this well. Because honestly, I would be honest, I believed that it would help me. I knew that if I could get it, it would just help me. I knew so much, and I had been learning so much about it and following so many other stories, and I was just so involved in, like, the community and the activism part of it. I knew that if I could get my hands on it, it would help me. But I think my husband just hoped that wishful thinking was helping it along or something. But it was really undeniable after that that third when I that third day when I threw that up and from that point on now the results visually was so like shocking different that I had people on the internet because I was sending um, one of the people who had helped me get this oil I was sending him some photographs he told me to document it because the masses was so large he said well just let's document it and see what happened so when I sent back those pictures on the third day it was such a difference that everybody on the internet started saying like, I started getting all kinds of messages from different boards and pages and stuff, just saying, like, that they, those pictures were doctored or they were photoshopped. There's no way that in three days or four days or how just a few days that that swelling could have went down like that in my neck, that that was impossible to be. So that's why I did those videos. Mm-hmm. I originally wasn't going to video document anything, but then when I clearly seen that, wow, this is amazing, I knew that, like, 
through video, it would help people see a lot better than just, you know, a photograph. I didn't want people to just look at a photograph and think that it had been... Well, seeing is believing, eh? Right. So I did the video um, documenting, which was kind of tricky for me with my little cheap camera and trying to be the producer and the... (laughs) You know, the, um, sitting there doing it all by myself, but I figured it out and I got a couple videos up of me. From that point on, I actually, which I'm so grateful that I did make the videos because that's how I found the help in Michigan. I had put on there people's writing me saying, okay, you need to get up to a gram a day as soon as possible. But I knew that at $45 a gram, there was just no way, like me and my husband at that time, we could just not afford to get me up to that amount anytime soon. It was going to be a while. Mm-hmm. I had made that seven grams last me like a month or two that first time. So I was contacted by um, Peter O'Toole in the cannabis camp in Michigan and was told, you know, that if I would come to Michigan and become a legal patient, that he would help me really get started, that I needed to be up to a gram a day. And that's when I would probably see, you know, some real improvements with the lump and stuff like that. So I went just on a prayer. (laughs) I didn't know him from Adam and my husband. That was another thing he was so skeptical about. And it was like really scary just going and meeting some strangers who says they're going to help you. But I did it. I went to Michigan. We um, obtained a second residence and I, I got all the legal paperwork and everything that I needed to do for that. And I seen a doctor. I was given the recommendation that and within a couple days I like literally within days of being getting my recommendation I was sitting in Peter O'Toole's kitchen with him and his wife and they were making me my first batch of medicine they're amazing Um, hey Lindsay they are they really are I mean I I feel like he saved my thyroid from without his help and that what he did for me at that time I just know that I didn't have access to it I didn't have the money to even be able to try to afford it um, he welcomed me with open arms and didn't take a penny from me. So he helped me get all the legal stuff that I needed to. And within days of reaching out to me, he had me legal and started on a full treatment. I was going back to import to the doctors and still getting some blood work and stuff. Things were improving automatically right away. Um, but the doctors were still kind of skeptical. When I started going back, they were really not wanting me to do anything natural, I had let it, my thyroid get so out of hand by the time that I did go back to the doctors, they were just very skeptical that anything was ever going to work. I mean, they really straight up told me that there, it was impossible for my thyroid to ever function normally again, that that was not going to happen. That was not a possibility, but I just felt so good that there was no way I could take their advice, and I just truly believed to just keep doing what I was doing, and Peter managed to get me up to two grams of oil a day for the next 30 days. I took one gram a day for 30 days, and then I went, he bumped me up to two grams a day, and I continued to do that for 30 days. And it was in those 60 days, which that would have been like 90 grams of oil probably consumed in 60 days. It was after that 60 days that you really, like the lump was just literally, it was disappearing in front of your eyes. Um, Lindsay, I saw the, the the video of you and the lump after you'd taken, I think, 50 grams. 
It was in January 2013. Right. You took the 50 grams, and there was such a noticeable change in the size of your neck that right. uh, you could certainly tell that the thyroid, the, the tumor, whatever it was, the growth was decreasing. When you started taking more of the cannabis oil, did you ever throw up again? I never did. I threw up that one time just days after, and I I never did that again. So I, I don't know if that... I don't know if maybe there was just so much of that in the beginning and that was all that needed to come out for that swelling, you know, for the, I don't know. But no, I never, I never did throw up again on it. And even with the large doses, I've been a cannabis user, what I thought was recreational use. Mm -hmm. Now I have grown to learn that it was definitely medical use, but I have been recreationally even just using since probably like 18 years old. So by the time when it came for me to make this decision and use the oil, I had been using cannabis for 15 years already at least. So I wasn't afraid of it at all, and I wasn't afraid to just jump right in there and do whatever Peter suggested. I mean, I let him set the goal. He was going by Rick Simpson's uh, original protocol of one gram a day. Let's do that and see where we go from there. And we had such good results that I don't think we had the results he was hoping for in 30 days or whatever. So we just, I followed his directions. He got me up to two grams a day, which it was a little difficult. It wasn't a walk in the park, even at a gram a day. I mean, I jumped right in there and started doing it. It never really affected me the way I know that some other people would affect. I was kind of amazed myself that I could jump in and start taking such large doses. But Lindsay, you didn't sort of build up. You just kind of went uh, head first I, yeah i just jumped <laughs> right in i you know i felt like i i had already built up with that i had gotten you know i had already taken that seven or ten grams and i had taken that over a month or so six mm. eight week period of time so i kind of felt like i did slowly build up but by the time i met with peter he had me on a gram a day i think two or three little castles that averaged up to a gram a day and i popped one in the kitchen and never looked back and it's been a, I mean, I literally, like, after that 50 grams, when you've seen that video, not only was the shrinking and stuff like that so noticeable, but just my health, my the way I felt, the, my energy, my appetite, my, I felt good. It had been a while. It had been a long time coming since I felt good. But immediately, like, I just, I felt so much better. It just made me feel better. Yeah, when you were talking to your doctors about this, did you indicate to them that you were taking cannabis oil? I never came right out and said cannabis oil just because of the legalities of it all. Yeah. And I was very worried with um, the pregnancy and just having the baby. And I just, I was very nervous to say anything about cannabis oil, but I always said, you know, natural oils and herbs. And I was experimenting with some Chinese herbs from the internet and stuff like that so i never really actually came out and said cannabis oil to him i just said some natural alternatives and some different herbs and oils and stuff like that um he did have me bring in some of the chinese herbs and some of the other supplements that i had ordered offline and checked them out at one time but he literally like just wanted to see him to mark them on my chart and he checked them on the table back to me and said, you, I might as well truck those in the trash, you know, because there's nothing natural going to help me. I mean, he 
he did come right out and say that, you know, but he, I never said to him, like, okay, I'm using cannabis oil. It's actual cannabis that I'm using. So. Has he seen... But to be he, honest with you, and to be fair, he, was, he wasn't interested. Yeah. Like, I had to force any information on him to even let him see that I was doing other things and that I was feeling better, and he just kept chalking it up to, well, that's a fluke. You're just so off balance right now because I'm not on the medicine that that's why... I was having good days, but the bad days would soon come, and, you know, like, he's really tried to scare me, but when I left his office the last time, he ran the blood work and sent all of my labs, came back in a perfect, perfect ranges, and that my thyroid was functioning at perfect levels, and that was something that he told me could, was medically impossible. He just said, we'll keep an eye on it from there. I said, if I was a new patient coming into you today to start off, would you put me on any type of thyroid medicine? And he said, absolutely not. So, and that was the last time I've been in his office. I probably haven't been back to see him or any doctor for that back in about three years. I had some some problems with my insurance come up, and honestly, I just have stayed away. I tried to just continue on doing what I was doing and keeping myself on a maintenance dose and I felt really good. I'm still off on all the pharmaceuticals. Like I feel way better than I ever did on those. But my access has been becoming more and more limited. Um I had a really good source for a while there that I was able to do a lot of things on my own and that kinda ended a few months ago and I've kind of been struggling for access ever since then but that's the hardest part with this whole treatment, knowing that there's something there that will work. And How is your thyroid today? Is it the normal size? It is. It is starting to swell up a little bit. Um, I've noticed within the last couple months, actually, I can physically, like, I'm, I'm able to see it, like, starting to, the whole entire neck area is starting to get a little large again. Yeah, I feel like it's in the beginning stages when you couldn't see the lungs, you know what I mean there, but it was just so swollen or something. That's how I kind of feel like it's becoming again. So, um, so maybe that mucus stuff or whatever was building on building. it or something like that. Do you attribute the swelling, this new swelling, to not being oh, on the proper do. dose? Yeah, so it's all about getting... I, I definitely do. It's all it about is. getting and, access and just, Access and being able to do it daily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I do feel like I need to stay on some kind of, um, I feel like a daily dose just helped me keep everything in balance and everything in check, and I just felt so much better. I can definitely tell within the last couple months that I have not been following any protocol. I'm ready to get started back on something. So, as soon as the holidays are, we get through the holidays, I'm going to do whatever I need to do, and that's got to be yeah, frustrating. It's a maintenance though, so it is. It's very frustrating, but at least I know what I do have to do. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I do feel like I'm at the point to where I kind of should go back to the doctor. It's been three years. I haven't been on any medicine in probably like five or six months. So I'm thinking mm. like, okay, I do need to get back to the doctor. But in all honesty, I don't. I'm not ready to go back to the doctor until I at least get back on some kind of oil because. I feel like it would be defeating to go. I know his recommendation. I know what he's going to say. And if I show up to his office and I'm totally all out of whack again, the only option for him to do anything for me is surgery and removing that thyroid and stuff. So I'm not ready to do that. Even at this point, I'm not ready to do that. 
and I do want to get back on some kind of, that's my goal. I'm going to get back on some kind of daily dose before, before I go back and see him so that I can at least have it in my system. And so, like, I'm bouncing back out again before I just show up at his, you know, office all completely out of whack. Lindsay, I want you to tell the story of your father using cannabis oil to deal with his diabetes. Um, well, he is in the same exact situation that I am. Actually, um, he was able to get some oil, not be, um, a good amount of it. He was able to get like what Rick Simpson would consider a half a treatment. He got 30 grams of it. And his diabetes was very out of whack. The medicine wasn't working. He couldn't bring his sugar down. Even with any diet exercise, he was getting very frustrated with that. And he got a hold of 30 grams of oil kind of started the same way I did. At a gram a day, we broke his up into two or three different doses during the day, but now it affected him totally doesn't it me. Uh, he really slept for at the entire first four or five days. He would literally only get up to use the bathroom and get a drink of water, and we would give him another gasful when he got up. After 14 days of him using the oil at a gram a day, his numbers, his sugar numbers, instantly just started fluctuating his fentanyl for the first time. Um, he was able to come off all his diabetic medicine. He had continued the other 15 grams. Yeah, it was. he was tracking everything uh, really good, too, with his record-keeping. And it was on the 15th day. His numbers just leveled right out, and it was amazing. But they... He kept up and he did the other 30 grams, or the other 15 grams, and was able to come off all of his diabetic medicine. And then he was doing like some maintenance doses. He only did the 30 grams, but it wasn't so after, it was at the 15th gram that we really seen a huge difference. That first two weeks, it was almost like, oh my gosh, is this even going to work? But then instantly they fell. They remained really good. His, his diabetes. He controlled that for a good probably two years, but he is in the same boat that I am with just access and the ability to even find it when you can afford it and afford it when you can find it. Mm-hmm. So he, his diabetes for the last year, he actually ended up needing to go back on diabetes medicine when it was not covered by his insurance. So he's run into the problem where he's like, paying as much for insulin now as he was the oil. So now he's at the point where he's like, okay, he's ready to try to get back on some oil and do that again, but he is in the same boat that I am. He knows that the maintenance doses, now he has got a hold of some maintenance doses, and he he had some really bad, like, neuropathy or whatever in his legs, where his feet mm-hmm. and legs and stuff would, they killed him, and they would go numb, and he would like walking around and have to sit down and use a um, portable like massager just to get feeling back in his feet and stuff. They would, they hurt him really, really bad. The maintenance doses of oil completely keep that away, but it really is doing nothing to control his sugar. But he is on a very low dose and he has just been using coconut oil infused. You know, he's been making it himself, just using a coconut oil infusion, doing it like that and taking a dose of that every day. So that has helped, definitely, healing in both of his feet now. Um, he had got, when he got off that oil and stuff, he had got 
a sore on his foot and that would not heal. It was a diabetic ulcer, and he ended up having to get some wound care to that spot. We ended up accessing a little bit of oil again at that time. Um, I had got some fire kitty oil. We had, were able to put some of that on it, and with his wound, you know, going to the wound care and using that, there was a friend of his at church who had the same exact thing um, going on with his foot. The only difference is my dad was using the fire oil kitty on his wounds, but they were receiving the same care, and his friend did, did not turn off this. My dad's foot healed right away, and his friend, they're just keep amputating. His foot never did get better, you know. It mm-hmm. just it's continued to this day to get worse, to where my dad has never got another sore from his foot or a heel, you know, an author or anything like that that can't heal. It's quite remarkable how he, this plant... He stayed on the cannabis oil, yeah, the coconut oil. He definitely feels like that's the difference between him and his friends who have the sores that won't heal and the feet that they can't feel. And he definitely thinks it's the, can- the coconut oil because, like I said, his they were killing him before he started on that. Yeah. But he does know that that's, such, that's a lot smaller dose than what he needs. But me and him were actually just discussing that. Like, he's ready to get him a treatment and full throttle again. He believes if he could do another, like get a half a treatment and do the 30 grams that he could get his in check again. So that's his goal is to get, you know, see what he can do with the diabetes. But it's it's just sucks because it's all access. You get to a point to where you say, you know what, I don't care because my health is more important and then you take matters into your own hands and then uh, you have an incident that occurs that really just opens your eyes and shows you like well, guess what? If you're, you know, it's not legal and it is dangerous when you have families and kids and jobs. And I don't know, it's such a tough balance, like, because, yeah, your health is very important. But if you're sitting behind you, behind bars in jail, I mean, it's hard to treat yourself that way, too. So just the whole legality of it mm-hmm. has kind of went from me being like, oh, I don't care, to me being like really thinking about the consequences and really getting scared away from trying to even help myself anymore. So where now that I'm back in the same boat, it's like, okay, I'm ready to not be afraid no more, but it just sucks because you have to jump through so many loopholes to make it happen. But in the end, it is worth it. I would definitely suggest for anybody to jump through as many loopholes as you need to to make that happen. Lindsay, it was good of you to tell your story. We very much appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I wish I could be of some more help to you, and as soon as I get back, um, I told Corey I'll keep in contact with her, and as soon as I get back squared up and get me back on a daily dose and get back to the doctor, I will keep you guys informed. And Yeah, it would be interesting know to know how you're doing. Know that I'm not ready to just give them my thyroid anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Well, thank you guys for having me, and I hope I was some kind of help to someone out there. There you have it, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening, and thank you all for your support. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.